I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to miss hearing this as a walkout song. The legend, the middleweight go Anderson Silva. If this truly is the last time we see him compete in the octagon, and if the sun has officially set on his career, I just got to say thank you, man. Thank you for everything you've done for the sport, for the competitors that looked up to you and idolized you. They are the tip of the spear nowadays, so your legacy is secure. You'll never be forgotten, and again, just thanks. Thanks for gracing the octagon and allowing us to enjoy and watch your brilliance. I mean, I'm not trying to take away from or diminish the achievement and the win by Uriah Hall. I mean, we're personal friends with the guy. We're definitely going to give him the credit where credit is due, but just need to pay homage to the middleweight GOAT, man. If this is the last time we see him, like I said earlier, it's definitely a sad day for the sport, but 45 years old, family man, there's really not much more I feel like the man can do to cement his legacy or, you know, to even prove his brilliance out there. He's, he's been in the game. He's 45 years old, as I just said. I mean, he's getting up there in age. He's literally the oldest person on the UFC roster currently. So, um, you know, we bid you a farewell. We appreciate the times that we got to watch you compete. And, yeah, man, go enjoy retirement. Go enjoy the next chapter of your life. And no one will begrudge you for that. You've given enough. You've given it all. And we thank you. Yeah, just let that play out. All right. So. Officially goes down, Uriah Hall defeats Anderson Silva in the fourth round by TKO. And, man, I actually really enjoyed the fight. It was a chess match, man. High-speed chess, a couple extremely talented strikers, fighters. And um, we were over at the MMT Trunk or Treat of it, and there was a gigantic group around the laptop out front, Frankie's hands and mine as well, and a lot of other people were just sweating. Our palms were just clammy as hell, and we were on, ba- you know, had bated breath is what they call it, right? We were just sitting there waiting to see what would happen. The first round was a lot of downloading, a lot of analyzing, a lot of looking at each other, seeing how you respond when I move this way or I faint that way. And, uh, you know, they had five rounds to kind of download information and just decide how they were going to approach it. And man, it was just, it was an even fight in my personal opinion up until maybe the second half of the third round. And in the fourth round, Uriah Hall was able to put him away and they had a very touching moment afterwards. Uh, ultimate hispech, hispech, however you fucking say it with a Brazilian accent. But no, these guys, man, they just kind of poured it off the jug and sat there and just were emotional, extremely emotional. Uriah Hall was crying and Anderson Silva was telling him that he's going to be the next champ and just keep doing his best. And I don't know, it was just really touching to me, especially given the influence that both, but especially Anderson Silva has had on my fandom and, and I wouldn't say career because I don't compete professionally, but just, you know, my journey as a martial artist in general and and just a fan of the sport and the UFC and Anderson Silva has been a staple the entire time in 20 plus years of me watching the sport. I just don't remember a time where Anderson Silva wasn't the man. So um, that's the way it ends up. That's the way the, the fight ended. But before we go any further, I do have to mention this episode is brought to you by the DeCourcy Group. You know, Dave DeCourcy always helping us out, supporting the show. If you guys have any cash out refi needs or need to get a loan to purchase a home, please support the people who support the show by visiting www.thedecourcygroup.com. That's T-H-E-D-E-C-O-U-R-C-Y group.com. Let them know the DLSS podcast sent you, and it really helps us out a lot.
But we're going to transition it over to you, Nate. Why don't you tell me a bit about how you saw the actual fight play out, a little bit about Anderson's legacy generally going forward, and then also, you know, what's next for Uriah. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Well, thanks, Dustin. Hey, Uriah Hall had a great performance over the legend Anderson Silva in the fourth round. I mean, Hall looked very calm and composed and was able to catch Anderson on his entry combos and drop him twice. The second time he dropped Silva was the finish. It went exactly how I called it, brother. Yep. We'll get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, Silva's really, uh, Silva really came to put on the pressure. Like, uh, Hell you know, yeah. I was expecting him to play it safe and um, just try to get the win um, or just try to survive five rounds and, and maybe have it end in a decision towards Uriah. I thought Uriah also was going to uh, respect him too much, but that wasn't the case, you know. That makes me respect Anderson even more. To see him go out there and actually fight and try to finish a young savage like Hall yeah. really showed me he was there to give it his best. Uh, he wasn't just trying to play it safe. Congrats to Silva on a legendary career, and thank you for being a pioneer in the sport. He's definitely one of the greatest MMA athletes of all time. Uh, definitely one of the greatest MMA athletes to walk the planet. I mean, for Hall, could it be gold? Uh, or could it be a contender shot? You know, what's his next step? What do you think? Like, uh, I think most likely it's Anderson Silva. This is my this is where my mind's going. He's forty five. Yes, he's a legend, but he's forty five. Um, and what we saw here was uh, his chin. You know, um, I saw Anderson come in a lot with a uh, head down and like switching stances a lot and trying to to really press him. But he left his his chin exposed and got caught with a counter. Was it a right? Counter counter switch right. I don't even recall to it be honest. A, it was a counter hook on the chin. That's all I know. I, um, and the first one was a counter straight. Um, and it was right behind the ear. Hall oh, that's right. A, the first one took a great angle. You know, Hall was very calm and composed this fight. Anderson Silva really came out, really applied the pressure. Uh, you know, like I said, Hall stayed very composed. Uh, but the thing is, this is an older Silva. Um, so I don't think this puts Hall in direct trajectory for a title shot because I think there's still like the top five or top four, top three guys that he needs to go up against, who would you think would be the next shot for him? Well, for him particularly, it's going to kind of go through, we're going to go through this later on in the episode when we go break down next weekend's fights because the middleweight division is kind of up in the air with, uh, I don't want to give away too much, but later we're going to talk about, you know, and uh, Israel Adesanya's future. And then, so that kind of leaves a gap in, 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 in terms of who's going to be fighting for that number one contender spot or, or that top five. It, it just kind of shuffles the deck a little bit. So it, it does kind of make it a little bit uh, difficult to, you know, give a, an accurate assessment of where you think Uriah Hall should go. You're right, because not only is the division going to be kind of a little bit in flux when we get to that later, but um, you're right. I mean, nothing against Anderson Silver, the goat, the, the legend, as, as we both want to continue to call him because he's earned that, but he is up there in age. He's 45 years old and oldest guy on the roster. Like So the, the stock of Uriah Hall as far as his like public – you know his popularity his awareness um and people kind of knowing what he's capable of it definitely rose but in terms of his movement up the division it just it's it's not necessarily as clear cut yeah and one thing i want to point out cuz there's so many views that you can look at it like uh, for example you look at Israel Azania he fought at Azania he fought uh Silva mm-hmm. went to decision yep and then you look at Hall fought you know was able to Anderson put him Silva, away was able yeah. to put him away but then me knowing us, I would say us knowing Israel's capabilities could easily outpoint him and give him that respect without finishing him and disrespecting him at the same time. So, um, a lot of people kind of 
you know, that was the narrative after that fight is that it was almost a glorified sparring match. They both wanted to do their stuff and make it entertaining, but weren't necessarily out there like you're saying. With, yeah. Even Silva in this fight was, uh, this one with Uriah yesterday was, had a scowl on his face. He was, he was coming to he bring was the He was coming. Pressure. He yeah. was coming, man. And, and I, that's what I want. I want, I mean, that's your last show. Put on a fight and man, he was coming. Shout um, out to Harvey though, because when we're talking about this, he's kind of like, it's that old adage where you kind of live by the sword, die by the sword. So, that's, that's but at least he was going man. out and, and trying to. That's some samurai yeah. crap right there. You know? Absolutely. And that's awesome. And that made me respect him so much because, like, in the third, fourth round, they were picking it up. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the fact that this is what Uriah needed. He needed to finish, and he needed to finish um, Silva, and he did. Um, and, I mean, if this fight was three years ago, I think it might have been a, a lot different. You know, Silva obviously is getting older. He's 45, like you said. Three years ago, he was he was 42. It's incredible. <laughs> so, yeah. But 42, he was kicking butt, man. And he was he, people were scared. He almost finished Cormier with a body teep. And that was with, like, what, two days notice? Yeah, like, he just came off just of came off, gallbladder surgery yeah, right before three that. Yeah, three weeks prior to that. And so the guy's an absolute legend, man. And an, a phenomenal career, a pioneer. Thank you for being a pioneer of the sport. But now when we when we go to – I mean, we could glorify it Silva all day, but now we got to get on the topic of Hall because he's currently staying in the UFC as far as we know. Uh, Silva is retired. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> ugh, ugh. If you watch the post-fight press conference, Dana White had some – I mean, I want to call him harsh words, but he kept coupling with like – but I love the guy. And like, yeah. you know, so he's like, I just don't want to see him continue to compete. And he was no. kind of walking that line between, you know, it's it's out of care, but also, you know, being very firm and saying, I'm, I never want to see him fight again kind of yeah. thing. I mean, everyone wants to go out on a, you know, everyone wants to go out on a win. It's like, what do you do? Like, as a promoter, like, let's give Silva someone easy to beat and win. But then if you do that, it, it's like, it's kind of like disrespecting Silva's abilities at the same time. So it's like, hey, you went out against a top guy who was who was looked at before he had a few hiccups as a number one contender for the title. And now he's right back in that position Ryan Hall is. And the next, uh, Anderson Silva. So it's yeah. kind of that, you know, honorary passing of the torch moment. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, who better maybe to send this send up a, the ranks to try to maybe perfect guy. get the gold perfect in someone guy. that everyone thought was the new and improved version of yourself. Which yes. that touching moment afterwards, it's from what I understand, like I've tried to watch a few videos that have a little bit of audio attached to it. And that's essentially what he was saying, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, my, my theory is that, um, you know, we got three, three guys I, who, who are at the top of the division always constantly middleweight. We got, we got Romero, we got Whitaker and we got Costa. And right now also, no, he went up in weight. Till went up in weight, right? Well, he went you up know, he to, to 185. Yeah. So we got Till. I yeah. mean, Till and is... And then um, what was the other one? The um, Jack Hermanson. Uh, he just beat Kelvin Gastelum. He's uh, mm. gone on a tear uh, recently, too. So he's up in those and, talks and, as well. And, and originally in the Ultimate Fighter, who lost to Gastelum? That's Uriah Hall. Yep. So guy beat Gastelum. This is another test to prove if... if So there's a few guys, you know, that are looking solid. I think, you know, I think... Costa's going to go the route of Whitaker. I think they're really going to try to do that. I think Romero's lost the last few, so he's kind of going to be on the back burner for a bit. So I think Hermanson Hall or uh, Hall versus Till might be something. Mm. Um, I think that might be interesting, especially since Till's in the division. And he, when he came back, he went to fight Whitaker. Um, that and was then a he tough also fight. he also beat Gastelum too in a decision. So I mean, uh, that would be an entertaining fight. I think too, that would be real. That that would be a real interesting fight. It's funny because I should be more prepared, but when you ask. 
asked me that question, it's like, shit, I wish I could look at the division where, where it's good that you were able to list like the top five and stuff like that because it kind of helps yeah. uh, make that decision. But just generally, the matchmaking isn't clear amongst no. the top five, top six uh, in the middleweight division right now. And especially I'm trying to like tease it without giving you too much information. But um, what we're going to talk about a little bit later with regards to Israel Adesanya and what we might what we are going to be seeing him do in the near future, that just muddles the waters even more. Yeah. So it's Hall. I think from what you just laid out, though, I think I honestly want to see Till versus Hall now. Yeah. And then from there, I think from that fight, we can, if, if Hall wins, we can shoot him up to a number one contender fight against. Maybe the winner of if uh, they do make the Whitaker-Costa Costa fight, fight. Something or, like that, yeah. Or, or whatever plays or out. Or Manson needs to get a, a number one contender fight, too. He's been doing really well. So it's it's tough. Th- yeah, there's a, I mean, and you can mix those four. It could be Hermanson-Till, and it could be Costa versus uh a hall, and then the winner of those two could fight, and then that winner would go to yeah. uh, Whitaker. Because uh, him and Hall have history. Uh, him and Costa, uh, Costa it beat also, him. It also so. depends on how it's going to play out. Because if um, Israel goes up to light heavyweight, stays at light heavyweight, and relinquishes the title, we didn't say anything about that. Yet. Oh, sorry. To sorry, guys. It's fine. It's fine. I burned now it. you guys have to listen to later, so we can give you more details. Yeah, th- about there's that. just speculation that he might go up to light heavyweight, and we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, who knows? I don't. I don't know where it's gonna go. I just think it's what it's one of those things where I didn't even think about that. I was kind of looking at the fight in a vacuum, that passing of the torch moment, the potential like you know new wave Anderson Silva, even though that fight was supposed to be made, I think in 2016 originally. And so with all of the kind of um, other subplots and things that that we are kind of like in a different position because we know Uriah personally and obviously we've met and competed against Anderson and, and his, his son and, and we respect him a lot. He's Frankie's favorite fighter. So there's a kind of a lot of different things that are involved. So I wasn't even thinking about the implications of it uh, beyond the fight itself. I was yeah. just you know looking forward to how to, to actual performances. Yeah. Well, I mean, overall, we'll see uh, where it goes. So... I've had a chance to think about it, and I'm going to be completely honest. My voice might go out earlier, and this might not be as a concise episode as prior, just because that MMT Trunk or Treat event was popping. Yeah, um, it was it was busy. If you guys follow Nate's social media, he's got a few videos. That he, used to, he went as Morty, and I'm absolutely was blown away by his costume. Perfect yellow shirt. The mask was awesome. He had the 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 gun. Yeah, little little laser gun. laser gun with him, and he's got some videos of him dancing with the DJ. Shout out to Nick Reza and stuff yeah, like thanks, that. Like, man, you killed it, dude. It was a lot of fun, and so I'm I'm not quite you know 100 percent today. Yeah, so my apologies. I just want to thank everyone that showed up to support Frankie in the gym, dude. Uh, it was a huge turnout. It was like 150 plus. Yeah, people. I want to also thank. Uh, Dallas Manuel's Tacos. They're yeah. my neighbors downstairs, man. I Highly to- recommend. I told them probably 60 people and like 100 plus people showed up and they were able to not only provide excellent service, but had plenty of food and and they're just amazing. Uh, they were like, oh, you don't have to pay us tonight, pay us tomorrow. Like super. If you guys ever need a catering service, I mean, they have churros, tacos. Potato tacos. They didn't, even have, sa- everything. They didn't even have quesadillas on the menu and, and we had a bunch of people coming up like, hey, you got quesadillas? And I'm like, yeah, we'll make you quesadillas. Like these guys would make whatever you. And ask then when them. they ran out of churros and people wanted more desserts, they had they, they, had bu- s'mores. they busted out they s'mores. Had s'mores, bro. And it was everything was delicious. Like they lived directly below us is what I don't know if Nate mentioned that. I'm I'm not sure, but I've been smelling this food for like five months <laughs> and just so I'm looking forward to eating it. It was so bomb that yeah. I you know I wanted to go around and, and socialize and, and participate in the whole event. But I'm not gonna lie, I wanted to just stand right next to that freaking taco truck. Yeah. Or it wasn't even a truck, but that yeah. booth and just yeah. eat all their food. It was bomb. Yeah, so thank you, uh, Dos Manuel's, uh, Manuel, Don Manuel Tacos. Uh, it was absolutely delicious, and you guys have 
exceptional service. So and you guys you. listen to this show. You know all the small business. We want to support small Absolutely. local businesses. And then also one that I always give a shout-out at the end of the show, OC Party Rentals, our boy Caesar hooked it up yeah, with a bounce time. house. Again, I mentioned Nick Reza was there as a DJ. Thank you, thank you. So everyone just you know came together and tried to help support each other to make this event, uh, event go off. And, man, it was it was a success. Yeah. So speaking of success, let's hit that co-made event up. Uh, Bryce Mitchell versus Andre Feely. Bryce Mitchell had a dominating performance. It went exactly how I expected. He was able to just close the distance on Feely, take away that, that distance striking that Feely's great at, picking people apart from that, from that range, using his jab and setting up shots. Uh, you know, Feely was just taken out of the game. Uh, you know, Bryce Mitchell really implemented uh, some good sub attempts and ground and pound all three rounds. I mean, he was able to Dude. close the distance, get him against the cage, take him down, and I was really impressed just manhandle him. I was impressed with that ground and pound that you spoke of because, you know, Andre Feely being the vet of the game and, and has good submission defense, if if you can't get the finish, but if you're, like, forcing it, that can actually, you know, work against you. So he, he adapted. He's like, okay, well, if I'm going to open up the submissions, I'm going to definitely have to bust him up first. And, man, I was just impressed with his ability to implement. I haven't really seen him get that ferocious of ground and pound in his previous yeah. fights. And not to stroke my own eagle, my eagle. <laughs> not to stroke the my eagle bald was, eagle. The eagle was last week. Yeah, not to stroke my ego. Um, we'll get to the predictions challenge. Don't yeah, worry about it. But uh, it went <laughs> it went pretty precisely what I said. So not. I mean, this is a no excuse because it didn't go the way I perceived it. I thought you know Feely's going to have the veteran savvy and someone little... exactly the opposite of what I said. So again, yeah. <laughs> but I th- I thought Andre Feely was going to be a little bit too much for Bryce Mitchell because it was a big jump up in competition. However, Bryce Mitchell passed the test with flying colors. And what I was going to say was is that. Um, like, sometimes throughout the course of the week, we'll make our picks on Sunday, and then, you know, I'll hear interviews, or I'll see certain things, or like you've said before, we'll wait to kind of check the weigh-ins and all these other things. Well, one thing that came to mind after last week when we did our picks was that they were going back from Phila into the UFC Apex, and especially in this kind of a matchup where Andre Feely was going to try to, you know, maintain that distance and stay on the outside, when you have a 44% smaller octagon, it's going to make it, you know, Bryce Mitchell have the ability to cut you off, put you up against the cage and institute his game. And if, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, if Feely wasn't going to be able to keep it standing, then I knew it was definitely going to be uh, a lot more a lot more competitive. And ultimately, it was, like you said, three rounds to none. Bryce Mitchell, you know, it, it, on someone like Andre Feely, that's really going to shoot him up in the rankings. Absolutely, I agree. Uh, yeah, excellent performance, man. And his, his ground game, I mean, I think we're only going to see it not only improve, but we're going to see... Uh, how it holds up to you know higher caliber opponents because once he starts, I'm I'm curious to see when he starts, you know, competing with guys who have great uh, defense, not only that, but great, you know, submission defense off their back, great get ups, yeah, uh, great transitions, and good striking. You know, like a well mixed martial artist in the, in his division. It's only gonna get tougher. From it's here. only gonna get yeah. tougher from from there. And and the thing is, if he starts getting picked apart in the feet, I think we might see him starting to lose to dis- a lot of decisions. We'll it, see. So yeah. we'll see. You know, but he's, you know, just like any, he's a young guy, just like a lot of guys up up and comers like yeah. this. Like that, you definitely they improve fight to fight, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the Tiago Moises yeah. fight. But uh, Bryce yeah. Mitchell, every single fight is getting better, so it just stands to reason exactly. that his striking is going to follow. Yeah. You know. And speaking of getting better, hold on, hold on, before we go I, to the next one. I wanted to point this out. It's kind of a joke, but do you think that uh, Bryce Mitchell is actually, um, what's the word, it has got an unfavorable advantage now because maybe Andre Feely wasn't able to see him as well because of his camo shorts. <laughs> Stupid. Okay. <laughs> We're just going to leave it. No sell it. All right. Moving on. Uh, that's great. That's great. That is hilarious. Mo- moving on. 
Did you hear that somewhere? Did you? No, I made it up. Did but you make it up? Someone made a joke because um, Kamaru Usman put out a tweet just praying, like, I want camo shorts now, too. I don't, I don't really think he does. I think he was just kind of pointing out the special treatment, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, being a little baby. But someone responded to him and was like, oh, brilliant. Now no one's going to see those foot stomps coming of yours because he's just <laughs> always sitting there foot stomping people. Yeah. So I kind of converted that. Interesting. Interesting. Why doesn't he pick on someone his own size? Uh-huh. Come on, Usman. Why are you picking on Bryce Mitchell? He For weighs real. like 50 pounds less than you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, speaking of improvements, uh, Greg Hardy uh, really looked sharp. He was able to catch kicks from Maurice Green early in the first round and put a good straight on him. Uh, put him down the first round, almost got the finish. Uh, then uh, early second round, Hardy was able to get the finish in the, in the second round shortly after. Uh, he was very confident that night. Hardy looked very confident. Um, I just saw a very uh, hesitant Maurice Green. Um, I mean, not much I can say other than you you can really start to see the growth in Greg Hardy. Um, like we were talking about last week, um, I thought Greg Hardy, you know, with his performance versus um, Volkov, um, that he's just... Uh, not only is he improving, uh, but he's able to compete, you know, three solid rounds with a man like that, uh, especially after we saw his last performance. Volkov's performance was absolutely dominating, so we know how tough he is. Killer t- new tattoo um, for Volkov, too. Yeah, Greg Hardy, man, just packs a punch. I think he was a little more calm, patient, had better in-and-out footwork, so he was in-and-out, in-and-out, uh, was able to get away from the power of green, catching kicks, catching him right in the chin. His reaction time was much better. Yeah. Um, I didn't think the the, the level difference was going to show here uh, really what it turned out to be. It's, I don't think Maurice, uh, Maurice Green's a horrible fighter. I, you know, he's in the UFC. I think it just wasn't his night. Yeah. Um, and Greg Hardy was just the more confident, the more ferocious, the more focused man. And Greg Hardy gets the, the second-round TKO. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about this, because you kind of touched on it, was Maurice Green's tentativeness. And just like we talked about this with, you know, Khabib being able to land the overhand on Connor and uh, Mike Tyson a lot, defeating a lot of his opponents before he even steps in the ring. Like, Greg Hardy was, I mean, he barely made weight. He had to go back for a second time to make the heavyweight limit of 265. And he's athletic, he's explosive, he's big, and he hits hard. So uh, who knows how much of Maurice Green's tentativeness was just allowing Greg Hardy's abilities and the potential for him to knock him out, like, get into his head and then self-fulfilling prophecy because when you're extra tentative you're not snapping off your punches you're not confident you're not thinking about what you need to do you're worried about what they're going to do and that i mean that showed in this fight yeah and when you're when you're tentative like that and you're and you're falling for feints and you're and you're sitting heavy on your feet especially when a guy faints or throws a jab and then you get stuck on your back foot um with a guy like power that hardy has man if any of those hit you even on the guard it's gonna shake you yeah uh especially you you gotta move more especially in the heavyweight division man you gotta you don't want to be stuck on that back foot. I mean, it's hard because they're heavyweights, but I mean, being tentative at such a hard heavyweight class like that is is a is a recipe for disaster. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you got to be on your toes at all times. You got to be defensively sound, and you you got to move, man. Especially you know, most of the time Hardy's connecting with uh, with Maurice was when he was uh, against the cage. Yeah, he didn't have much where to go, and he was just sitting there, not yeah. cutting left or right. And then Hardy would just land some bombs or catch a kick and land a bomb, you know. So. It's kind of like what we're talking about with Silva. I know it's not nearly the same thing, but it's like at certain points, especially if you're you feel like you're losing the exchanges, you got to make a decision. It's like I'm either going to go for it or I'm just going to sit here and take a beating. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, there is a a method of going for it without exposing your chin. Absolutely. But, you know, the reality of it is Hardy played it. Played his cards right, man. You know, he caught a kick, held the kick, and sent that rear hand and, and caught him, man. So, well, um, yep. good reaction time. You know, 
nothing more you can really do in, in Maurice's shoes other than rub that, try to, you know, pull that leg out and rub it down the shin immediately uh, and clench and then and then put his back against the cage, put uh, Hardy's back into the cage and get out of there. But he didn't react long enough to get that kick uh, out of the hands of Hardy and then had a hand down and got caught. So Yeah, and speaking of catch a beating, uh, what was it, um, Priscilla Cachoeira ended up, the fight get, got scrapped. So even though we did the picks for it, she's not, or uh, we mentioned her last week, she wasn't on this card. And yeah. then also speaking of catching a beating and cards and uh, fights getting switched up last minute, Kevin Holland's opponent ended up getting uh, scratched, I think, a day or two previous, the Mahmoud Maduroff, the one that's managed by Floyd Mayweather. Speaking of that, we'll touch on the end. Floyd Mayweather's other fighter, Tank Davis, came away with an excellent uppercut KO in his fight. But uh, Charlie Ontiveros, I've never heard of him before, but he got his UFC debut at la- on last minute's notice to fill in for Maduroff, face Kevin. Kevin Holland, and it says submission slash injury slash, if you watch this fight, the ref just stopped it. Like, I don't know if there was a verbal tap. There definitely wasn't a physical one. I don't think he quite went out, but it was off a slam, like either a head clash or shoulder clash when he slammed, uh, when Kevin Holland slammed Charlie Ontiveros. So it was an interesting finish, but dominant performance by Holland. Like, it was in the first round, and it was just, uh, I don't know, it was... Dominant. That's like all the only way I can describe it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what more can you say about Kevin Holland? That he's got five wins in the last yeah. in faster succession. I think five wins in 2020. Yeah. All I can really say is this guy is really turning out to be a threat in all areas of, of mixed martial arts. You know, he's very well-rounded, especially for being a, a, a rookie. And he was uh, talking so. shit to Adesanya afterwards because Adesanya was in the building. So after his fight, Kevin Holland, his nickname's Big Mouth, so he talks a lot of shit, was talking shit to Adesanya. Adesanya showed him on the camera for a second, just kind of did that yeah. motion like, you're crazy, man, whatever, Yeah, it's man. good, man, <laughs> but you still got a long ways to go. But, sure. I mean, it's good to, you know, get your name in there. Yeah, I mean, P- he's hey, in the building, so you might as well, right? Yeah, and I'm watching too, but uh, you still you still got some guys to compete with. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see how you grow. Um, all right, so the the first card, the last one that me and Dustin actually called, obviously not the first fight of the 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 card itself. The well, there's two card. more. We got Tiago Moses, Bobby Green, and that's, then Alexander Hernandez. That's right. So Bobby Green uh, was the the fight uh, next that we're gonna call. Uh, Bobby Green, man, it, it just wasn't Bobby Green's night. Uh, he came out way too confident. Had his hands down and was getting outscored in the first round by Tiago. Was not. It's not what I was expecting at all. Uh, second round, Bobby was able to snatch it uh, slightly. It was a close round still, but it was definitely you could definitely tell that Bobby Green took it. But the third round, Tiago was able to score on the feet, and uh, you know Bobby made it close, but Tiago was right there with him the whole time. Uh, you know, point for point. But what really turned this into a unanimous decision? Fight IQ decision, man. You poor, know, poor game plan or poor decision making at yeah, that point. Yeah, you know what ended up happening is Bobby Green tried to get a takedown off the cage and ended up getting taken down himself. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Tiago Moises was able to control pretty much a majority of the third round, you know, and at before that happened, I thought maybe Bobby Green could edge a split decision victory yeah, uh, because he was doing great. He was landing some good shots, but Tiago was keeping up. So the third round, man, was really the one that he needed to, uh, you know, make sure to get solidify. Yeah. And yeah. He ended up making a poor decision, especially I don't think I think he should have struck. Uh, he st- stand it up and, and banged and, and, sh- and struck. Uh, especially against a, a phenomenal jujitsu slash grappler. Um, I mean, granted, Bobby Green was able to get a few takedowns during he this fight. He held his own in, on the mat, but yeah, it's great. like if you have a choice between the guy's wheelhouse or or you know where you're more safe, especially in, in a razor close fight like this, you got to just kind yeah. of go for it. So he ended up trying to get the takedown off the cage, ended up getting taken down himself, and uh, was controlled for about 
two, almost two minutes, a little over. I want to say about two minutes. I don't know the exact time, but it was it was pretty much a majority it was significant, of the yeah. third round, and that just made it. You can't give a man like Tiago not only in his p- p- let him be in his wheelhouse, but give him that much control in the third round, especially when it's that close, like we yeah. said. Yeah. Uh, so it ended up going unanimous decision. Tiago Moyes, and his striking was clean. He came out with sharp jabs, great leg kicks, man. Major uh, improvements from his man, last fight, that's and, for sure. And his speed was just really hard. So you can Bobby take Michael it. Johnson from that. He went to and faced uh, After Mike, Michael Johnson. Got his he's ass like, I don't want to get handed round. like that again. Yeah. I got to make some changes. Yeah. So that's, and then that's, that's so that's what Moises and, and improvements and made the fight a lot different than we expected it to go. And then I've watched Bobby Green compete over the course of several years, and and unfortunately he's lost a lot of decisions earlier on in his career because of those exact antics that you're talking about. I mean, it is part of his swag. It does help him get into his flow state to have those you know kind of hands he got, down. Got like, head kicked like three times in the first round. Yeah. So like, you come on, dude. you got. I mean, then the last few fights he's had, he's actually been able to kind of balance that where he's still got his swagger. He's still got his the way that, you know, he likes to feel out there and feel himself. But he was actually able to put enough volume on his opponents like Clay Guida and the others to get those wins recently. So I just kind of felt like he turned a corner where he could balance those antics out a little bit more with his skills. And in this fight. That was what lost him the fight was that he was too focused on trying to like convince the judges, oh that missed, or oh that didn't hurt me, or this, that, and the other, than actually putting it on Moises. Yeah, so. but it doesn't matter. It still landed on your face, <laughs> so it's a significant strike, and it goes towards Tiago. Yeah, so exactly. Let's not give any points to any guy, especially when we could have defended it with our hands up. So yeah, you know. Yep, and then speaking of defending, Alexander Hernandez, he came back from his loss and his knockout loss to Drew Dober with a vengeance. Chris Grutzmacher, um, which last week I remember you were like trying different ways of saying that last name. And then I remember who he was and I heard the announcer say, I'm like, yeah, he finally he got it. He got it right. It took you like four <laughs> or five iterations, but the last one you're like... Grootsmacher. I'm going with Grootsmacher. And that was that was totally right. Sorry, I just All wanted right. to point Sweet that out. Sweet deal. Uh, but Hernandez, man, 29 strikes to the eight coming back from Chris Grootsmacher. And he knocked him down and finished him in the first round. It was a phenomenal dominant performance. That switch up to, was it Factory X for Alexander Hernandez and uh, kind of taking himself out of a gym where he was the big fish in a small pond and putting him in a position where he could, you know, humble himself and learn and not be so cocky and understand he he needs a purpose and to go out there other than just like, okay, I'm better than this guy and I'm going to beat him everywhere. No, you need, you need the next level if you're going to compete at the elite level in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, there's not much other other than that to say. I mean... Great performance to Alexander Hernandez. Physical gifts are there, but just like a lot of fighters, it's about putting them together, and a lot of that has to do with your mental state. So sounds like he made the right move. Uh, another couple notable fights on the card, just wrapping up. Sean Strickland, a local boy here to our area. Um, <clears throat> he's, you know, trains uh, with a lot of people that we're familiar with or have we ch- we've trained with either at MMT or at other gyms. And so I don't know him, like, personally, personally, but, you know, we follow each other on social media, and I kind of have an affiliation or affinity for him and his comeback story because he had a really bad uh, motorcycle accident that almost um, ended his entire career. And I don't know how the man ever made welterweight but he comes back after over two years off at welterweight dominant performance against jack marshman 106 to 48 in total strikes he put him he just was putting it on him and in the third round was also making it quite entertaining yelling at jack asking him why his head was made of concrete and steel like he just he's (laughs) like go down jack go down (laughs) like he was yelling at him it was just an entertaining and dominant performance so good good job for strong strickland to come off that long layoff overcome a lot of those injuries and to be able to put on that that dominant of a performance. So good job yeah, to him. Congratulations. For that. And then one other one I want to touch on before we uh, move on to is next this week. The up- is this the uppercut? Which one? 
Oh, uh, oh, actually, I should talk about that, too. But Dustin Jacoby, he had a stint in the UFC in 2012. He left and wasn't a UFC fighter for several years, came back, had a win on the Contender Series, and then came in against Justin Ledette, and kind of he felt like it was his debut all over again. But dominant, dominant performance. He's competed in glory kickboxing. He's, he's, a, he's a problem on the feet, and he's a light heavyweight, moves really quickly for his uh, size and weight. So just something, someone I want to make sure you guys keep an eye out uh, for the future. But why don't you talk about that? Phenomenal uppercut, and then we'll we'll move on from there. Yeah, man. You know, Miles Johns, man. A la Ortega Edgar, kind of. Dude, uh, versus Kevin Nativad. What? Nativadad. There you go. Not Nativadad. Nailed it. Native dad. Kevin's <laughs> native dad. Hey, anyways. Hey, this is a third round KO. Uh, pretty much just uh, off of an angle, posted out his left hand. He's stuck in that position and, way too long. And, and way too long. And and just was able to post Kevin with his left hand, and Kevin just followed it. He just kept walking him back, walking him back, keeping him posted, and just rocked, <laughs> racked a right uppercut, man, and just right underneath the armpit, right just, under the armpit, oh, and man. just you know he laid him out. That fool testified. You know when you like you you get knocked out and you fall back on your back, and then your arms fly up too afterwards. It's like that's that's what Luke Thomas shout yeah. out to him. He calls that testifying. Hey, great performance, uh, great knockouts. Great to see uh, knockouts in, in, in weight classes and band weight classes because it, you know, just makes it exciting. It, it reminds you, hey, knockouts can happen at any weight. So make sure a lot of people are like, no, dude, I want to watch heavyweight, middleweight, and, and light heavyweight because there's going to be knockouts. Oh, I prefer like, the little guys, dude. dude faster, more faster, technical. It's just more action, man. Yeah, and they have to be more technically sound and like and execute their <laughs> techniques better because they don't have the weight behind them. So in order to generate the power, you got to do it right. It's like nonstop action the entire time uh but yeah congratulations miles johns on a great performance yeah well i hope you guys enjoyed the card and our breakdown and picks and all that stuff uh eight and three on the night when i do my full card picks just to kind of rub jose a little bit in the you know was it put salt in the wounds a little bit and i uh <clears throat> i took 20 bucks off him in the tank fight so sorry brother i just gotta point that out because you know, <laughs> we, we have a little bit of that so, back and forth so you sorry know. dude you, you lost <laughs> you're a but, loser no, which we'll kidding. talk about at the end of the fight or end of the night yeah. uh, on the show today but that was a very competitive fight as well i felt like santa cruz was actually doing really well and, and winning some rounds up until that point potentially even winning the fight so but that does it for ufc fight night hall versus silva we're gonna take a quick break come back recap the points for the predictions challenge and then look ahead to next week like we were kind of teasing uh, Thiago, I'm sorry. Yeah, Thiago Santos taking on Glover Teixeira. So give us just one sec. All right, we are back. Real quick before we jump into next weekend's action, predictions challenge. What is this fucking Groundhog Day? Rinse and repeat from last week. Um, I got one point on Hernandez. He ended up coming away with a first-round finish. I thought it was going to be a decision, so one point there. We both got a goose egg on Bobby Green. Both got some points on Hardy, but I called it right with a second-round finish. So three points for me, one for him. Uh, he ended up getting those three points back because he called it exactly right for Bryce Mitchell. Uh, ended up getting three points for the unanimous decision on him. Uriah Hall in the main event, I got, uh, was it, two points because I caught a fifth-round TKO. If you listen back to Nax last week, he switched from a decision to fourth-round TKO by Hall. So we got a couple uh, right on the nose this week. So the week ended up wrapping up 7-6. to six. One more point for him, separating the lead. He's up by 16 now, 196 to 180. I think it's only seven or so cards left in the year. So 
I got some freaking work to do, but it's cool. I ain't tripping. I got you in my sight. 16 points ain't nothing. It's going to have a swing week one of these weeks to close the gap, but I appreciate the competition, and, man, it's just one of those things. No matter how much you are informed or how much you know about the competitors, it's MMA. Some, that's why we enjoy it, because you can never really predict what's going to happen. But I guess that's a perfect segue to lead into next weekend's card. UFC Fight Night. Glover Teixeira is taking on Tiago Santos in the main event. A lot of people speculated that the winner of this fight would go up and face Jan Blakovich for the light heavyweight title. Uh, but if you paid attention to the post-fight press conference from last night's card, Dana White said that Israel Adesanya is actually going to go up and face Jan Blakovich like it's already a done deal. I don't know if their contracts are exactly signed, but they're both in at least verbal agreement and they're looking towards the first quarter of next year, like around February, March. So uh, Adesanya tweeted out something saying like champ squared and Dana White even retweeted it and shared it on Instagram. So um, like I said, we'll get into it a little bit more as we go through our picks and maybe talk about it. But um, yeah, Adesanya is going for double champ status and going to take if he wins, the John Jones old, you know, the heir to his title, the light heavyweight title. So a lot of speculation as far as what's going to happen, you know, in the fight itself when Adesanya faces Jan for the light heavyweight strap. But obviously what would happen if, uh, if Izzy won, so... We'll get into that a little bit, but we're just going to transition straight into our picks. This card has got a lot of fun names on it. I mean, it's definitely not as stacked as the one we just watched or the few previous cards like UFC 254. But as I mentioned, Tiago Santos taking on Glover Teixeira in the main event. Andre Arlovsky's taking on Tanner Bozer. We love Tanner Bozer. We love both these guys, but in the co-main event. Um, and then a few other notable names. Brendan Allen's taking on Ian Heinish, Claudia Gadelia versus Yang Jianan. Can't exactly pronounce that name. Apologies. Trevin Giles versus Bavon Lewis in the featured uh, matchup in the prelims. Alexander Romanoff, Marcus DeLima. Like, there's a bunch of fun fights. Darren Elkins is coming back. Haven't seen him in a while. Max Griffin. So, we're going to get into it right now. Yes, that's the interesting news, guys, that I almost spilled the beans <laughs> with earlier in the episode. Yeah. So, Izzy is going up in weight to the light heavyweight division to fight on Jan Blakovich. That's going to be a, a, a tough fight. I think I'll, it's going to be really competitive. It's going to be competitive, man, because Jan just so well-rounded in so many areas, from grappling to striking. He's a powerful puncher. Yeah. Um, is he's gonna? We're going to see if his power translate. If he can be as sharp. If he can be as um, comfortable striking and be as you know dynamic as he normally is. Yeah. Confident as confident. Yeah. He, you know, without you know being. Tentative, you know, because that's what happens to a lot of guys, you know. We're talking about with the Greg Hardy fight earlier, you know. If you got a lot of firepower coming back your way, it might throw you off, throw well, off you, your game. Everyone's a great striker when they're confident and, and, and the power isn't translating and you can take it and you're used to that kind of weight. But when you got a strong hitter like uh, Jan Blakovich and, and a heavy grappler and a much heavier opponent and potentially a stronger opponent than anyone in the weight division you currently were in, um, it's going to pose... A, put you in a situation to where you might be a little hesitant not only in engaging as much as you would in the prior weight class but then uh you, you might even get more fatigued in the grappling scenarios and so there's a lot of things that can play out we'll touch on that when the time comes but i'm just interested to see like uh, the attributes i want to look them up because like obviously yeah. they're not matched up but just to see like height reach all these other things and uh just because i i'm wondering with him being the next weight class up, Jan Blakovich, like without seeing them standing next to each other, like how I much said, bigger is yeah, he? Yeah, or if they're about the same size, because is he's a tall, he's, he's a, a tall he's man. a big mid middleweight. So. Yeah, and we who will know? He he might be stronger. We don't know how much he cuts exactly, but you know he could be. We've seen a lot of people compete their natural weight and and like uh, what's their face uh, just fought 
Jessica Andrade. Andrade, and yeah. she performed like a tank, man. Yeah. So and he's he's definitely progressively gotten bigger over the course of his middleweight stand. Yeah, so and this might we might see a stronger, more better of a knockout artist. Uh, Israel than we've we've seen before. And so you could tell you they're playing know. the long game. It's going to entice John Jones to either come back and try to grab the title if he wins, or you know, as he's been talking about going up to heavyweight even to fight Jones. I don't care. So it's like, man, it's just it just kind of sets the stage for the next six months to a year with that yeah. whole drama that's been playing yeah, out. Which so. makes me wonder if Israel goes up to fight Blakovich, and you know, with Jones on the back burner here, kind of waiting to play his cards. You know, we have Tiago and Glover. Are they going to be put on the back burner? The winner of this fight. Yeah, because they were supposed it, to face him. They're supposed to face him, but um, whoever wins this fight, if Jones does decide to come back and the winner of Izzy versus Jan, if if Izzy wins, it's going to sell. It's going to be the fight to call because everyone's going to be calling him like the greatest in, in, in the UFC at this moment. I mean, Dana White flip-flops week to week. A couple weeks ago, maybe even last week, he was like, yeah, Jones-Izzy is the fight to make. And then now... This would be the perfect... Ex- there's no excuse not to make it. Oh, this man. is the money fight everyone's going to be watching. Um, and this is the perfect excuse for Jones to come down to light heavyweight and fight Izzy. Um, why not? This is a fight. You guys have both been talking smack. Do it. But I, I feel bad for Tiago Glover because most likely if Izzy pl- if wins, uh, which which is a great probability based on his performance and his, his statistics, they're going to be put on the back burner. So I kind of feel bad for Tiago and Glover. Like two rounds of it because they're getting put on the back burner now just by the virtue of the fact that Izzy is going to go up and face the champ. So then no matter how that fight turns out, it's not like they can have a quick turnaround right away. And then if, no, cause like how you long, said. How, how long until Yawn and, 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 uh, and Izzy's going to be made? How, who, who knows? When is this, When are they supposed to fight? Early on in next year. So hopefully relatively four soon. Four months? Five months? Yeah. Well, like March, maybe February, March. And so not very and long. And then if Jones comes back and doesn't get in trouble, then you're waiting another five months. You're waiting almost a year to exactly. fight. Exactly. So if Izzy wins, it's bad for Tiago and, and, uh, and Glover. And what usually happens to those two guys? They need money or they need to fight again and stay relevant. And then you can lose and your they, spot then line. And you lose your spot because you fight the next guy. Next <laughs> and then killer, that next yeah. guy, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a, so it sometimes it's a poopy uh, situation, especially when you deserve to be in the division. But when you have two superstars like that, most likely, yeah, UFC's that's what they're gonna do. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of starting to get into that Tony Ferguson territory. Yeah, man. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, those are definitely things to think about. And now you can see where our mind goes and. These really help you kind of predict where you think it might be going. That's why you see so many predictions from so many other um, like podcasters different, and, and different matchups that could be made and different rationales behind why they're good or bad. Not just because we obviously want to see the matchups and the actual fights, but the implications in the division 100% play a role. So sometimes you might not understand why this happens or why this person didn't fight that person and stuff like that. It's like they're always looking at the long game and how they can make the most money as well as try to build the biggest stars. So these things definitely play a role. And in this case, Santos and Teixeira might be getting fucked. But as far as uh, let's get into our picks, we're just going to go top down because we're going to spend most of the time on the more notable names at the top. We're going to do six picks total because ultimately one's probably going to fall out from the COVID situation. But um, just start with the main event. Nate, take it away. All right, yeah, so we're going to start with the light heavyweight main event. Uh, it's going to be Thiago Santos versus Glover, the veteran Glover Teixeira. Man, Glover Teixeira being a veteran, man, he's getting older, and, and usually the pattern is you get older, you get slower, but not this guy, man. Glover is on a four-fight win streak with, like, multiple finishes, and that last performance against Anthony Smith, what a dominating ground-and-pound, just dominating beatdowns against a... Uh, a man like Anthony Smith, who is a title contender, as you know, these guys are both title contenders. So 
Man, and the last fight for Tiago was almost a year and a half ago versus John Jones, and we know that Tiago was injured during that fight, had a hard time keeping up, but was able to go all five rounds with John Jones, arguably one of the greatest mixed martial artists to ever walk the planet. So, man, this is such a tough fight to pick. And odds-wise, um, Glover is the underdog, but, man, he's been finishing people. He's on a four-fight win streak. Um Tiago Santos, uh, last opponent before Jones was Jan Blakovich, and I feel like Jan is a much more mobile. Uh, he's just as well-rounded as Glover, uh, and he's younger, and I feel like he's gonna be, he, he's just a, probably a more uh, agile uh, opponent. Is able to be uh, he's a much faster opponent. Um, that's just based on age and, and body's performance. So man, based on Tiago's record um, and who he's fought, I mean, both these guys are just hard to pick, uh, but I have to go with my heart here. Uh, based on Tiago's performance, I think he's, his last few performances, how much time he's gotten to healed, I think he's going to be just too mobile, um, a little bit more athletic, and he's younger and fresher. I feel like he's going to be able to outmaneuver uh, and outstrike Glover on the feet and give Glover quite an issue. Also, you know, with his last performance versus Jan Blakovich, being able to finish him in round three, he's able to withstand grappling scenarios. Uh, he's got great takedown defense. So I don't think Glover is going to have an easy time getting Tiago down. Um, so, man, that's that's really hard. Um, I got to really see. Let me double check. How many rounds is this fight? It's the main event, so it's a five-rounder. Okay, because I yeah. know sometimes circumstantial, we've had like three-rounders. And that's rare normally when it's like last-minute switch-ups. Yeah, okay, five rounds uh, versus Glover, but Glover's so tough. Um, I'm going to say third round TKO. Uh, yeah, third round TKO Tiago Santos. I think he's got time. I mean, he was able to KO early in the third round, Jan Blakovich back in 2019 in February. <coughs> Excuse me, so... Um, Based on that, based on his last performance with John Jones, being able to compete and go five rounds uh, to decision, especially when he was injured during that fight, um, I believe it was a leg injury. I think he, I'm pretty sure that it was, was actually knee injury. both like, yeah. both total knee reconstructions. That's actually going to be part of my points when I uh, when I respond. Yeah, the guy's just tough as nails. So I'm going to say third round TKO Tiago Santos. All right. Well, as far as the mobility thing you were talking about, I completely agree because Glover Teixeira, while he is kind of aging like a fine wine and not that four fight winning streak, and it just seems to be getting younger and doing better every fight. Um, Tiago Santos, I, I feel like, is very athletic and he's very mobile, like you were saying, and may be able to just kind of be one step ahead of Glover on the feet. And if you can never really get a hold of him and, and get him down, then Glover may be just a sitting duck to be picked apart the entire fight, you know. And it's a good comparison against Jan, even though, like you said, Jan's a bigger, stronger, younger, definitely very good at grappling. And so, like, if he can have success against him, it makes sense that he should be able to take out Glover Teixeira. Um, I don't think this is a hundred percent like a heart pick and where I'm not really using my brain, but the fact that Glover is an underdog and this is the X factor. Tiago Santos put up a phenomenal performance against John Jones. A lot of people even thought that he won that fight, but he's coming off of double knee replacement surgery. And I don't know how long ago was it? Good so point. A, a year, year and a half almost ago. a year and a half. He fought last fight was in July of 2019. Okay. So I don't know, man, if he was the savage that he was, that was able to get through that fight basically with both of his knees blown and everything like that and be able to come back this fast 
podcast. I've, yeah, I, I watch point. a little bit of his social media, so he is definitely a savage and trains like a madman to get back. But will he be as mobile with those? And, and, and how much will the time off and this surgery recovery affect his performance? We've seen, I've seen people come back and actually perform well because their rehab and their physical therapy and the things that they had to do to get their injury back to, to 100% actually healed a lot of other issues that they put, had when they were constantly competing. And put Exactly, and put them on a more like disciplined yeah. regiment because they had to go into PT to mm. fix this injury. So then now they're, you know what I mean? So there could, you never know, the X factors, and he could come out as good as ever and maybe even improve Tiago Santos. But with the fact that it's an underdog, and I'm going to go with the trajectory and the trend that Glover Teixeira has had over those last few fights of just looking like he's Benjamin Button out there and, and getting younger each time. Even physically, he looked in phenomenal shape last time. And although I think Santos has all the tools to win, and I will not be surprised if he knocks him out or wins a decision um, and it just outstrikes him, outclasses him on the feet, I'm going with Glover, Glover Teixeira. And good, I'm going to go... Good underdog pick. Uh, Submission? No. Maybe, but... But that's, that just depends on what the complexion of the fight looks like later in the fight. Is it like Tiago Santos has been fighting off takedowns and he's starting to actually fade and get tired? Then Glover yeah. may overwhelm him and get that sub. But yeah. it's gonna. It's actually, I don't feel like I'm very confident in saying that Glover would get a decision because if it plays out the way that we were talking about, then Tiago Santos would probably win a point fight, right? So... I am. It might be like him being tired and and Glover having him against the cage for a split second and landing a good combination inside the pocket against the cage and clipping them. It's possible because Glover does have really good good, traditional boxing, right? Good head movement, good boxing, but sometimes that gets him in trouble because he brings his head down, he dips it down a little bit too much um, on the center line. So knees, all kinds of uppercuts, things like that could take him out, but. Although I'm not as confident as other fights that I've picked, I'm going to go with the underdog here. I'm going to go with Glover Teixeira, and I'm going to go with a fourth-round submission. All right, fourth-round submission for Dustin Glover Teixeira, choosing the underdog. I think that's uh, – I was thinking about going with him, especially the four-fight win streak. And like I said, with that performance with Anthony Smith, I mean, what a dominating performance. Yeah, but dominating. I mean, Tiago Santos, some people thought he just maybe beat – the GOAT, you know what I mean, John yeah. Jones. So if he has a performance yeah. like that against Teixeira, I don't think yeah. Teixeira has and a chance. But there's a lot of factors like we we talked about, especially you, about, you know, I didn't really quite think about the double knee surgery and all that stuff. That can all play a factor. Is he going to be tentative on kicking more? Is he going to be a little too heavy on his feet? If he's heavy on his feet, then he'll be a lot easier to catch and, and for, for Glover to keep up, especially against a young buck like that. You know, so a lot of the, those things come into play. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, that takes us to our next one we're going to call, guys. I'm going to go straight into it, the heavyweight co-main event. Andre Arlowski, another veteran versus a young, fresh uh, heavyweight buck who's on a tear right now, Tanner Bozer. Um, man, Tanner Bozer, like we've talked about prior in the prior episodes, which you guys need to go listen to. <coughs> Damn right. <laughs> um, hey, man, he's just really light on his feet. Uh, for a heavyweight, and he's got a lot of power. He's sharp. He's fun to watch. Um, I think that he's going to get a second-round TKO uh, against uh, Andre Arlowski. Um, Andre Arlowski, I feel like, is just he's getting older. He's a little slow. He's not as uh, he's not as agile, and he and he just doesn't throw uh, a, as many weapons and combinations like he used to back in his younger uh, MMA days when he was a uh, very good uh, loose striker for that generation. But overall, I just think like Tanner's gonna be too much, too light on his feet. I feel like he's gonna have a great jab. Arlowski's gonna have a hard time finding his range, especially with the in and out movement. I feel like he's gonna be a little more heavier on the feet than Tanner, and I think Tanner's gonna be able to catch him in the second round. So yeah. Tanner Bozner, second round TKO for me. Yeah, short and sweet. I'm going third round TKO by Bozner just because uh, Arlowski. You've seen he's a veteran of the game, and he's he's been able to grind out some decisions. But he, where he's got a great IQ. He's, yes. he's able to adapt. He's, he's had to, and with his you know I don't know how many years he's been at, at uh, John. 
Um, Michael Johns? Yes, thank you. MMA? Yes, um, but he's definitely incorporated a similar style kind of like even to John Jones with a lot of individual shot variants, a lot of teep kicks, a lot of things to keep that distance. And he's, like I said, edged out a few decisions that I thought he was definitely going to lose, and he uses that experience, that fight IQ, and those unique strikes to kind of maintain distance and just point out a decision. So because of that, I think it's going to take a little bit longer for Bozer okay. to be able to land something Fair hard. Enough. And so I'm going to go third-round TKO by Tanner Bozer. All right, so Dustin just chose third round. TKO Tanner Bozner. Again, we're both in favorite for Tanner Bozner. So uh, I'm, we didn't even have to look at the odds. I'm already going to assume he that. He is the favorite. Right? Yeah, the, uh, He's the favorite. Yeah, he is. All right, I'm going to try my best on these names. The next fight on the main card, guys, is a bantamweight fight. Uh, Renoy Barcelos, he's 15-1 versus Khalid Taha. Or, yeah, Khalid Taha. Uh, yeah, so let's get to that one. Rayoni, this guy Rayoni is on a four-fight win streak tear in the UFC. Um, is it four? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah four-fight, yeah. Kurt Hollabaugh, Chris Gutierrez, Hachin, and, and then Saeed Nurmagomedov, which you're a point now. Yeah, and then, you know, Khalid Taha is, uh got a loss win in a no contest versus Silva via arm triangle. So I'm not sure. We were going to dig deeper, but. Which, uh, when you're looking at the stats, we don't know which one of them got the arm triangle yeah. and then it got overturned. I mean, we could go so. to YouTube or something and actually watch the fight if we can find it. But, you know. We're no, less we, familiar with these guys, but yeah. we're going to give you the pick anyways. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, you know, for me, looking at it, you know, Khalid Taha hasn't had the greatest UFC debut or uh, career so far. I mean, he's only 13-2. and two, Um but he just hasn't had the greatest career. The momentum isn't there for me. And Rayoni Bar Barcelos looks like he's an absolute savage. He's got four finishes. Um, and uh, he's 15-1. and one. I mean, I don't know too much about these guys, but based on what I'm seeing on paper, the output uh, in strikes, Rayoni Barcelos also has some submission victories as well in the UFC as, as TKO. So from what I can see on paper and what I can see stats-wise, I think Rayoni Barcelos um, is going to be the more active fighter. Um, I feel like he also can threaten uh, Khalid Daha in the submission game. Um, I feel like Rayoni's a, a devastating striker for this division at Bantamweight, and I think he's, based on the stats and who he's fought, I, I, he's totally missed my radar. So um, I'm excited to watch him this weekend, first of all, but I'm going to go with but Khalid Daha. 13-2. and two. He's probably a very tough opponent. His stats are still really good. It's a close fight other than the striking range. The sh I mean, in the striking area, uh, Rayoni is a much more uh, volume striker. Throws much more than Khalid. Uh, Khalid, sorry. Taha. DJ Khalid. And DJ Khalid. Another one. We the best. <laughs> I appreciate you. And you'll appreciate my, my pick. Uh, I'm going to say Khalid. Taha's tough. Um, he's going to be looking to get a win, so he's going to be a tough fight, but it's not going to be enough to stop Rayoni Barcelos. Rayoni Barcelos is going to win unanimous decision. Yeah, I didn't see that coming because when you look at his uh, stats, and it's clear that the paper, I mean, it's not like they're manipulating it to look a certain way, but yeah, if you interpret the stats and their UFC career so far and their momentum and everything they've been able to accomplish inside the octagon, it's, I mean, the stats, I mean, I'm sorry, the odds, he's a minus 350 favorite, and if you look at p on paper, it's like, okay, well, that totally makes sense, and then also, it looks like he's a finisher in terms of his last few fights, so I thought you were going to go in inside the distance here on Barcelos, but... Uh, usually, but Bantamweight, and I'm going off the momentum of Kalitaha, uh, I mean, he's only 13 and two. He's still got a good record. That means he's won a lot, and his only two losses have been in the UFC. Actually, three technically, if you want to count the one no contest. Yeah. But um, no, he actually has a win. He has one win in the UFC. I apologize. Uh, one of those losses was outside the uh, UFC, but against Boston Salmon. Yes. Um, and it was very quick. Um, but um, 
overall, I feel like he's going to be come out tough for fresher. He's young. He's a rookie. He's going to be getting better. But Rioni Barcelos sure. is killing it. So I think that Khalid's – I'm just going based off of how I think the things are going to play out. And yeah. if if I was a fighter, if I was Kyle Adnan's in his position, I'd be working on getting better. I'd probably be working on the areas where I was losing. Uh, he got almost submitted, and I uh, just can't keep up in certain areas. Uh, and the striking department, he's had a, a tough career, so I'm sure he's been making lots of adjustments. And he's young and fresh, and he's he's only going to get better. Yeah. But right now, who do I think's young and fresh and already is better? I think it's Rayoni Barcelos, and that's just based on his performance. I think he's better under pressure. He's better on the on the big stage. Um, he's a better finisher, and um, I think we're going to see. But I think Khalid Taha is still going to come out hard and look for a win, and, and he's yeah. going to be better than his last two performances. So. Sure. Once I watch them both, it might be one-sided as far as I know, but, you know, knowing the life of a fighter, I'm pretty sure Khalid's improved and uh, he's not someone to take lightly. So, yeah. uh, again... And I'm it's Bantamweight, man. Anything can happen. Yeah, so fireworks. Well, the thing is, uh, Rayoni Barcelos has one submission victory and, and the no contest, I can't tell if Khalid Taha was the one who was technically yeah. about to arm triangle his opponent. So I don't know if Khalid Taha's got great ground. Um so I can't say that it, he's going to finish him via submission because Khalid, I don't know if Khalid Daha got you know almost submitted or if he's got ground himself. So it's hard for me to pick submission in the distance as well. Most likely it's probably going to go in striking, but also it's going to be most likely for Rayoni it's going to be a TKO in my mind. But it's bantamweight. Um, I think it's going to be more action packed. I think Khalid's going to be tougher than he, you expect. He also has actually a bigger range. He's a smaller fighter, but he's actually got a longer reach mm-hmm. um, by a few inches. So I think it's going to take some adjustment for Rayoni to get some uh, some range and just timing in there. Uh, so so I don't know these fighters enough, but you know yeah. I'm just going based on how I know the sport and how I know it plays out. So and how it could play out. Uh, and this fight's not worth. Not these fighters aren't worth it, but I mean. To talking about this long, so yeah, I agree. My my <laughs> whole point is, um, I think Rayoni's still going to be the better fighter based on his record, his performance, and his stats. Uh, so yes, Rayoni again, Barcelos is going to win unanimous decision so far. That's what I pick for sure. And I also I got to make some moves if I'm going to make up some of these points. So I'm also I'm uh, going to go with Barcelos, but I am going to go inside the distance. I'm going to go with the third round TKO. I might change if I see some information or learn a little bit more about Taha on the lead up to this fight this week. I might even switch to try to go stab at those underdog points. But for now, I'm going. Barcelos with a third round TK. Hey, you never know. If you guys want to make money, he's a pretty big underdog. So true. Maybe you want to throw some bucks on it. Oh, this next you. one I'm excited about. Yeah, I'm pumped because, you know, Ian Heinrich and Brendan Allen are two top contenders in the middleweight division. And Brendan Allen's been on a tear. Uh, Brendan Allen's got such great grappling and he's just, he just keeps killing it. And so, and, and then Ian Heinrich. Is just so well-rounded. Uh, he's an up-and-comer as well in this middleweight division. I'm excited to call this fight, and, you know, it's super, super close. The only difference is, you know, <laughs> Allen is on a four-fight win streak, and Heinrich has had a win-win, he's loss, Three loss, out of win. his last five. But, guys, uh, he's got a win over Fiera, a win over Carlos Ju- uh, Jr., a loss to Brunson, but Brunson is a top contender compared to the people that Allen has fought. I feel like an Akhmedov, a loss to Akhmedov, but a recent win over a... Uh, uh, Mershart. The thing is, when you look to the left of Ian Heinrich, when you look at his record, you look at his opponents, he's a little more UFC experience, okay? Not a f- not a four-fight win streak, but I feel like he's faced a little bit higher competition than Brandon Allen has. So the experience is there. Wow, it's a 100% pick him in the odds, too, it's by the way. It's 110 to 110, and I think that's why it might be such a, a close comparison. It's just they're both... You know, Ian Heinrich, 14-3. Brennan Allen's 15-3. Brennan Allen's on a four-fight win streak. Ian Heinrich had some good uh, momentum starting his UFC career. Lost two fights, but lost him to two tough 
like top contenders um, and has faced a little bit higher competition, I think, than Brandon Allen has been tested against. So I, I can see why it's even. This uh, is dynamite matchmaking, in my personal opinion. Absolutely. When we look at the odds, they're <laughs> they're they're it's one ten to one ten, yeah. and then there's like seven other ones that we look at. Yeah, best fight odds is basically looks at and compares all the different sports books, and yeah. even when you look one time, one guy's a favorite, the other book he's another, the other guy's an underdog. So and it's then, just, and then other ones are tied again. So. Yeah, it, it evens out. Um, totally even on this fight. Pick them fight, at least as as we sit here on Sunday, the, the 1st of November. So no underdog points to be had on this one, yeah. even if it does change between now and the fight, uh, because we do this, the odds based on when we do the picks. Yeah. So. Usually when we get into lower uh, the lower fights on the main card or prelim cards, I start to pick the underdogs because I don't know much about them. And uh, there's not much risk because I don't have a lot of confidence in what I'm picking because I, I, I can only go based off stats, not what I've seen. Yeah, the volatility is bigger down lower but on the card, I, too. I can't do that here. and I'm So I can kind of go with my heart here and not risk anything. And it's one, it's 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 one I'm not losing any underdog points here. I mean, either one, this is a super close fight. Um, if it was underdog, if, if, if Ian was an underdog, then I would probably pick Ian uh, based on who he's fought, but he's not the underdog. Um, so for me... With the win streak, Brandon Allen, and the fact that the two fights that Ian lost, they were the decision, and um, he got taken down quite a few times. He got taken down twice and then three times and another one. Uh, Brandon, the thing is, if Brandon Allen takes you down, he usually submits you, and it's usually either in the first and second round. Uh, Brandon Allen also has one unanimous decision, and then he has, I believe, one KO in early in his career. Um, no, so sub, sub. So sub, rear naked, sub, rear naked. Uh, when, no, so he does have a KO. His se- his second to last fight, he, he has a KO. So, man, he can knock you on the feet. And if he takes the nines to submit you, I think he's going to see those holes in Ian's game where he's been submitted uh, or taken down a few times. And Brendan Allen's already just uh, going to be an aggressive uh, pressure fighter. So I'm going to just cut to the chase. Brendan Allen, I'm going to say Ian's tough. Third round submission. Uh, I want to go... I like Brendan Allen. I've watched all of his fights in the UFC, and he's definitely getting better fight to fight. Um, but, I mean, he subbed Kevin Holland. You know what I'm saying? He knocked out Tom Breeze, which, you know, Tom Breeze looked great in his last fight, but I don't but, know I how mean, that fight he didn't He only landed four great. punches. Yeah. So. And then Kyle Dawkins is coming in uh, recently in the UFC with phenomenal wrestling chops, and that was a back-and-forth battle. So he's he's got the, the gas and the ability to kind of go through some shit to still get through the win, you know, get the win in a full three-round fight. So I don't know. I, I don't want to... I don't know if I should take too much away from Ian's last fight and he knocked out um, Gerald Mearshart because he looked like he was uh, like kind of experiencing resurgence. He feel he looked like he was putting it starting to put it all together. Like he really looked the best I've ever seen him up to that point. And this is not an insult to Gerald Mearshart, but as far as just kind of objectively looking at it, it's hard to take you away. You got to base it off the performance and, and the person that he's fighting. You know the competition. It's like. Mirshar has... He could have been fighting my sister. And I <laughs> yes. could have been like, hey, man, it's my sister. I love her, but she got knocked out. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that's how it is, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I, so, Please so, don't so, knock on my sister. I don't... No. <laughs> Please, Ian, don't hurt my sister. Ian Heinish, he's been through the shit. He's turned his life around. Okay. He's back in the UFC. So, you think he's going to knock Brandon Allen out? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I think it's going to... Right now, and I have the right to switch, but I'm going to go Ian Heinish by decision at this point. Just because, like you said, there is no risk to go with the other person. So, if it's this close of a contest, the probability of one winning versus the other, at least in theory, given the odds, is relatively a coin flip, and there's no benefit to go with one versus the other. So, I'm going to go with Ian Heinish based on his last performance, although the momentum of... Uh, Allen is definitely something to worry about. So, But that's my choice as of now. I could switch Ian Heinish by unanimous decision. 
All right, guys, that takes us to the final fight on the main card that we're going to call. Uh, it's women's strawweight fight, Claudia Cadelia versus, uh, you want to pronounce it, Jan Exilon. I, I don't try. I, I saw her fight last time and I, I heard it and I was like, oh, that's a lot easier than it looks when you're reading it, but I don't Jan recall. Yixon? Jinan, I think. Jianan. I think that's X I mean gives a Z phonetic. Um, so I think it's Jan Jianan, but I could be wrong. I probably All right. am. All right, let's look at these stats. All right. But before, actually, before we um, uh, look at the stats of this fight, I want to give a shout out to Eden Buttery Pancakes. He actually came up to me at the Trunk or Treat event, and I thought about it mid podcast here, and he was like, "Hey, Nate, I just want to let you know, like, you, you you put things together very well in the podcast." And I was like, "Wow, thanks, man." I was like, "Cause I think I sound like a, a dummy." <laughs> so I'm like, "I'm jumping on my words, and I, my mind thinks so much." And but my mouth can only say half of what my mind's thinking, and then I come out sounding dyslexic. But <laughs> I, I wanted to say thank you, Eden. I'm de- me and Dustin have both definitely been trying to, um, you know, put things together, write things down better, and really give you the best possible content that we can. Not only shorten it, but uh, sound more concise and kind of really put what we're saying in our head out of our mouth onto this podcast, which is the, a lot easier said than done. <laughs> yes, literally. But but in this case, it's not a lot easier said. So. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. But anyways, touche. Yeah, thanks, Eden. I appreciate that. He's been an avid listener. A few yeah, weeks man. ago, he said, "Like, man, I haven't been listening as often. I need to get back on it." And I know he's been up on it ever since. So I really appreciate the yeah. support, brother. And guys, if you need to get jacked, you know, hit him up. Absolutely. But uh, back to this fight. Let's scroll down here and let's see what the uh, the who's been winning, who's been losing here. All right. So uh, Jan has on a one, two, three, four, five fight win streak. Her last fight was against Kowalowskis. Kovalkiewicz. And then she beat, I believe that's Angela Hill she beat. Yep, and then a close decision. Kondo, Pajera, Curran. That's her list of five wins in a row. What a similarity. The last fight, Claudia Gadea had was a win over Hill, uh, a win over Marco. So two fight win streak beat uh, Esparza. uh, And Esparza's on a two fight win streak right now, which is pretty impressive. Um, So, hmm... Who are we going to pick? Oh, Jan just looks like she's a much more uh, active striker. Um, you know what? Let's see the odds here, man. This is very interesting. Let's see. I know Claudia Gadelia, perennial contenders, fought for the title. Oh, she's the underdog, so it gives a lot of credence to this. Right. Uh, to Jan here. Yeah, you know what? Just based on um, who Jan's fought, they fought very similar opponents. Scroll back down real quick. Yeah, I feel like other than, you know, Hill's gotten way better. They both have a win over Hill. Uh, well, oh, well, ooh. Yeah, the recent fought, fights with him, too. You know, Kadea fought Adraj, beat Esparza, former champion. Oh, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to go decision. I need an underdog. This is my underdog pick. Woman Charlotte, Jan is going to win. I say unanimous decision. Well, Claudia is the underdog. Oh, poop. Yeah. All right, Claudia, good is going to win unanimous. <laughs> that works. <laughs> I go. feel, I mean, the odds are pretty close, so it makes sense. And and Claudia has a lot more UFC experience, and she's fought the top contenders. And although Jan's look phenomenal in her, um, and I think that's all, I think she only has these five fights in the UFC, to be honest. But um, I think she's on a tear. I think she's kind of like that new wave of uh, Chinese talent, kind of like the current uh, strawweight champion. Um, Wiley Zhang. So I'm gonna go with Jan. Although Claudia is a beast, and like looking at these, if 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 I was looking at these stats and like the physical attributes, and Claudia Gadelia was significantly bigger, I'd probably go with her because she's got she's well rounded. Don't get me wrong, but she's got phenomenal wrestling. She's good from her top control, and she can kind of grind out a decision when she needs to. Um, but in this particular case, they're pretty relatively even as far as size. So I'm gonna go with Jan, and I'm gonna go. 
I'm going to go opposite of you for now. I may switch inside the distance, but I'm going to go with Jan with a uh, unanimous decision. All right, guys, that takes us to the last fight that we're going to call on this whole card, which is in the prelims. It's going to be Trevin Giles versus Bevan Lewis. Another pick em. Look at the odds here. They're both minus 110, too. This is a hell of a competitive card as far as the odds are concerned. They're not letting me get my underdog points, man. <laughs> Good. I, Trying to help me find a way to come say, back. I was Christmas is coming up, and you're about to get your early Christmas <laughs> and present. And my birthday present, yeah. You're going to get that DLSS tattoo on your butt cheek. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to want it where people can see it. What's that mean? Oh, it's my podcast. I'll put it on my forehead. It'll be a walking billboard. Invest in yourself, people. Yeah, hey, man, that Dos Manuel's Tacos, I, I, I found out about them because they got their catering truck right outside, bro. I'm that's like, true. hey, that's Dude. perfect. Sp I just can we talk about them again because that shit was bomb. <laughs> <laughs> it was so delicious. Yeah, it was. Uh, now I'm hungry again. For and real. Uh, don't hate me, guys, but me and my wife decided to go vegan. I made some vegan chili tonight. Dustin had some. It was delicious, it was actually. Bomb. I made it from scratch. You know, I have this little Alexa in my room. It's the Alexa Echo Touch. You can touch. It's pretty much an iPad Alexa. And it, I was like, Alexa, show me vegan recipes. And then it shoots it to my phone, and then it also gives me videos on how to do it. And Hey, thank you, Alexa. It was actually very good. I ain't going to lie. I'm not, uh, like, I'm a meat eater through and through, but that shit was delicious. Like, in the beans and all the things that were in it texture-wise, like, if, so, if no one told you it was vegan and, like, you weren't looking at what you were eating, but you know how chili can kind of become, like, almost like a slop, you know what I mean? Like and a stew. chili's not chili without beef, bro. I mean, yeah, but you it was know? still tasty. It, it, yeah. It tasted very good. And I'm mainly trying this out because I got to support my wife in her journey to battle her diagnosis of cancer and, you know... That's a whole other topic, but the less carbs and less processed foods you can eat, the less it turns into alcohol and sugars, and the and the less it can feed cancer. So we're we're gonna continue to do all our methods and fight this the best we can. Yep. Um, speaking of fights, guys, we're gonna get back to the nice. topic of driven. <laughs> you like that rolling? See, good segue. See, yeah. Eden, we're getting better. See? Yeah, dude, we're just rolling. We realized that we're rambling, and they were like, "Okay, I'm gonna say something and listen to myself. Find a way to transition out of this." Yeah. <laughs> good job. But anyways, final fight we're gonna call, guys. Again, middleweight. So. Potential for a knockout, Trevin Giles versus Bevan Lewis. Let's pull up those stats and see where we're gonna pick. Where we're gonna pick? What we're gonna pick? See, now I'm now I'm going. I'm backtracking. <laughs> I'm backtracking. Thanks, dude. Yo, what's up with the look at the takedown uh, defense and takedown uh, offense here? Giles has 100% takedown accuracy, and Bevan Lewis has 100% takedown defense. So I feel like they're both just gonna headbutt each other. Just gonna crash <laughs> like when you're holding two Hot Wheel cars, you're just like. <laughs> 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 or two action figures are just slamming yes, them into exactly. each other. Sorry, this is Howard. See, guys, I hope that was a great portrayal for your mind to kind of <laughs> see where our head goes. Um, so there's not much to really look at for takedown average per minute, though. We obviously see that uh, Giles is attempting takedowns. We haven't seen. Um, Bevan Lewis is strictly a stand-up yeah. fighter, man. He likes to bang. But uh, I don't want to – sorry, I meant to cut you off, but I just wanted to point this out before we get going. If you look at Trevin Giles' last, like, four fights it, or five fights, it would say he won three out of his last five. That's bullshit. In my opinion, he's lost his last three fights because his most cre recent win is versus James Krause. And if you've listened to other episodes, you know that's a bullshit decision right there. Yeah. Um Man, what am I going to go with here? Bevan Lewis is coming off a win, beating Daquan Townsend. Lost to uh, Darren, uh, Darren Stewart previous to that. Lost to Uriah Hall. Okay. So. So, well, he fought Hall. That's a that's a tough opponent. Uh, so now the main thing that me and Dustin are usually going to go look at now, guys, so you can understand how we pick them, is it's how out. how are they finishing? Are they winning or losing, or how are they winning and losing? And that yeah. helps us kind of pick what our decision is and who our decision is for the, the winner and the method of victory here. So, Giles' last win was a split decision versus James Krause. 
His last two losses were he got guillotined twice. So that means if he shoots, he usually gets his head stuck in a guillotine. That's what I'm assuming. And then his first two wins in the UFC were KO against uh, uh, Antonio Braganetto and another win against James uh, Bakanovich uh, KO uh, later in the round. So if he's going to KO, he's probably going to KO someone later in the rounds. Um, all right, now we got to go look at uh, Bevan Lewis here and see. All right, so his last Is win it was Bevan or Bevon. I can't remember. Bevan, I think it's Bevan. Either I don't way, Dequan versus Bevon. Ma- maybe it's because I know Javon. There you go. So Shout out to Javon. You know, so that's why I pronounce it that way. Tustin PD. I don't want to disrespect the culture. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, love those guys, um, especially the p- the police department. Thank you for your service to this beautiful country. God bless America. All right, so you voted today too. Yes, I did vote today. I uh, need to vote. I want to vote in person. person. I recommend voting in person. I know COVID might have you scared or whatever. Yeah. Go out, put on your mask, wash your hands afterwards, but go vote in person. Yeah, That's I, my personal I had tip. my camouflage uh, hat with my American flag on it. It was great. Who'd you, I wonder who you voted for then. Yeah. Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. There you go. America. All right. So, um, Bevan Lewis' uh, last win was against Daquan Townsend. Unanimous decision. Last two losses, one to Darren Stewart. Uh, decision. It was actually really close. Bevin Lewis actually in this fight had one more strike than Darren Stewart. So I'm assuming that based on the the it's 31 to 30 strikes. I'm basing basing that off the strikes. But, but, but I'm assuming that Darren Stewart was just the more uh, harder hater, uh, more pressure fighter. Probably had better control of the fight. They were more significant. More significant. And then yeah. Bevin Lewis uh, had another loss against Ray Hall. Lost to got knocked out in the third round, but. In that fight, I recall Bevan Lewis was doing really well, though. He was applying a lot of pressure. Uh, he was actually outstriking Uriah Hall until he got put out. So, you know what? Based on his performance with Uriah Hall and based on Uriah Hall's recent performance, um, I'm just going to say um, that uh, I'm going to say Bevan Lewis is going to take it. Um, I'm going to say he's going to get uh, – I'm going to say Bevan Lewis' decision, unanimous decision. I mean, this, the fact that it's um, – what is this, a pick him again? It's just like, man, it doesn't give you any incentive to yeah. try to go one way or the other. But th- I know Trevin Giles, although it do- may doesn't look, maybe doesn't look like it on his record, um, but he's a, he's a submission threat. He's got good ground and good subs, and I think Bevan Lewis is just too big, too strong, loves to stand and bang. He's that sprawling brawl style so of you fighter. you think he's going to force him to shoot? I think yeah. So I think Trevin Giles is going to get to a position on the feet where he's going to be like, oh shit, I need to change this up. I need to wrestle. Get guillotined. Right. (laughs) Well, apparently Bevan Lewis is mostly a striker, but the guillotine is the striker's submission. So um, we'll see. I'm going to go with Bevan Lewis too. I'm I'm sorry, I don't recall. What did you say? Unanimous decision. Yeah. I'm going to go third round TK. I think Bevan Lewis, if he's able to keep Giles on the feet, but might be some desperate sprawls later in the later rounds, and uh, Bevan Lewis will take him out. But. You know, I could be completely wrong. Trevin Giles could have just enough of a grappling and submission threat to be able to neutralize Bevan Lewis's power, take him down. I mean, the experience is a little bit on the, the side of Giles, so you never know if Bevan Lewis gets tired. But like you said, it was later in the third round where Uriah was able to come back, but he was winning up until that point. So shows that he's tough and can and have success later in the rounds as well. So I'm going to go Bevan Lewis, third round TKO. All right, well, I think that wraps it up, man. That absolutely does. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, with the Trunk or Treat event at MMT, which was off the chain. Thanks again for everybody who came down and contributed to that. But it did have me out till about four in the morning with some crazy, I won't even go into the details, but stories about everything that went down afterwards. Uh, but it's got me a little bit under the weather, so to speak. Not sick, but not quite 100%. So I hope overall, I mean, it sounds like Eden's giving us good feedback. I'm getting a lot of good feedback. We've got our 
all-time highest number of listens last couple weeks. And nine percent now in what Sweden? Yes, I, I, the international giveaway, which is, is still up, still up and running, still going. But I have a certain amount of people I need to reach out to for me before we can make that happen. But yeah, so. Bro, if you're in another country, especially Sweden now, come on, like, who are you? I, we want to know who you are. Listen, like, we're still, uh, I mean, we're, we, we, we're growing, but we're still relatively small. We've, we absolutely, have, we're, we, what, how many listens, like, total, like, thousands? Like, we have over th- a little over th- about 3,000 total, and then we've uh, got our most all time high in the last, like, it measures by every like week to two weeks. So we got yeah. 500 basically within a, a, a cycle where the most we've ever gotten before that was just under 200. So yeah. we're over double. So before we get too big. Let, let us know our, our, our early followers because now we – I mean, if if we get really big in this pocket, which it will because we're killer, right, then we're not going to – there's going to be so many people flooding and we might not see who you are, right? We want to know who's internationally supporting the show. We obviously know – Do it. Well, you still can. Yeah, get and it we, in. And, and we're still a small podcast and we want to we wanna hear our, 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 our listeners, especially the one if we get 9% consistently, that means we have a few listeners – that are in Sweden and other countries. I think there's some other ones too. That That's a long list of countries we've had people listen from. So it's like, but to see that spike in from one particular uh, country in Sweden that up means to nine percent, it's consistent. That means that you're. It's not like we had like one listener one time from Germany and Sweden. It means like you're a consistent listener, and a few of you are. And I, I would love to reach out to you. My Instagram is Nathaniel Deptula. N a t h a n i e l D e p t u l a. Um, I have a man bun. You can't miss me. And a few, and a few <laughs> pictures of me playing guitar. Guitar and a few pictures of me and the crew at MMT and Dustin. Um, so, like, please, I want to know who you are. Add me, follow me. I want to support you because you support us. Do the Absolutely. same thing. Uh, Dustin's uh, social D- media is D love underscore eighty four on Instagram, and just forget the period if you're going on to Twitter. Just D love underscore eighty four on Twitter. And then the last thing I'll say: first of all, thank you. Always help me out with the Absolutely show. Absolutely, appreciate Pleasure. my brother from another mother over here. Uh, but the one thing I'll leave you guys with because if you listen to the very end. Of this show, I think bef- it should be the older, younger brother. Whatever, because everyone thinks that we're brothers, and everyone thinks I'm older, but I'm actually younger. It's true, you. I know. So I'm the older, younger brother from another mother. I got good genes, you know. It's all those fucking cigarettes I smoke, it's or something. We always wear sweatpants, so I don't, I don't always know. wear sweatpants. I'm all the way up in my fifties already. I don't care. Sweatpants all day, every day. I'm it all about like it. We're in our fifties. <laughs> but this is the thing I want to tease you guys with before we hit the outro: is that if you're getting this far and listening into the well, we're fucking coming off the rails, so I hope you enjoyed the show. And I'm, <laughs> if I'm not making sense now, cool. I don't care. I'm just going to keep doing it. Long night. He had a long night. But still, if you guys are this far into the episode, I want you guys to be the first ones to know we got a, a new logo. Ooh. We got a new DLSS it, it, Did you officially pick logo. it? I did. I'm going okay. with the gray. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So, so that's going to be coming soon. I'm sure you'll announce it. And sh- did you put it on social media? Obviously not. I didn't. No, see, nobody knows it. about it except for maybe three or four people that I've shown in person. And I'm more. You than leaked th- it, bro. Huh? You leaked it. Kind of to you and to Nora and a couple other people. You showed it. You sent it to some people too, man. Did it? It hasn't been leaked. Oh, my sister, like people Ooh. that w- that won't leak Dude, it. Your sister better not leak it, bro. I told. Oh yeah, and Frankie. Or else I'm gonna have Jan Blakovich or Ian Heinrich fight your sister. <laughs> you knock out my sister <laughs> if she's there. You go. Bless you. My sister might be able to put up a good fight, to be honest. I'm sure. And she just fought off coronavirus, too, by the oh, way. Oh, then she, she can do it <sighs> without a doubt. But, yeah, so I hope you guys are excited for that. In fact, this may not make any sense because I think I'm going to release it, like, when I post that we have this new episode that's live. But, you know what? Just to make you guys special, I'll post that the new episode's live, and then I'll wait a day or so, and then I'll post the new logo. 
But that's it. That does it for this week's installment of the D-Love Special Sauce Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, go over to Apple and iTunes. Give us a positive review. Five-star rating, hopefully. Don't forget to turn the notification bell on. That way you're on top of all the most current content. And while you're supporting us, a small independent podcast, make sure to go check out and support the small businessmen and women who support the show, just like you guys, by listening every single week. My boy Eden, eating buttery pancakes, slash I get people shredded on IG. Monique Taylor with strongwomendesigns.com. Nora, my girl, with DreamLoudCollections.com. Ricardo with Neighborhood Auto Care. Caesar with OC Party Rentals. Mac Noodles, Hibachi Chef. Angie Snyder with Holistic Healing Services. And last but not least, MMT Fitness. Check out their Instagram. Make sure to come and check out the gym. Exit the 5 Freeway off Avery Parkway. First class is always free. Make sure to tell them DLSS sent you. But until next week, same time and same place, we're out of here. Enjoy the fights.